you ever feel like you're in a bubble? Like you live in your own world of your thoughts and conceptions and that the world around you has no interest in what you have an interest in? This is the topic of conversation today. Murgakshi and I sometimes feel like we're in a Bitcoin bubble, which actually is a double entendre of sorts. The word Bitcoin bubble has a couple of different meanings. And so we're gonna talk about both of those meanings today and what it means for us to be emerged in the crypto world, how it's an alienating experience from time to time. Let's dive in. The thoughts and opinions expressed by Keegan Francis, Murgakshi Palway, and the guests interviewed on the Go Full Crypto podcast are solely their own. The content discussed are intended to be for informational purposes only. So we've talked about how we both uh, climb at a bouldering gym, and we were both we both love rock climbing. And the other day, we have gotten ourselves masks that have a Bitcoin symbol on them. And one of them just has the orange circle and then a B in the middle. So um, someone at the gym um, asked us, oh, what's that B? And I said, it's Bitcoin. And then they've responded with, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Um, and that set me into going to Keegan and, and saying to him, Keegan, are we in a bubble? Um, and then there's a couple of ways I could have interpreted that. <laughs> that question, like, are we in a bubble as in, is the the value of Bitcoin inflated beyond its actual value? Or are we talking about like the uh, the social bubble that Rugakshi and I spend most of our time and days thinking about cryptocurrency in some way, shape or form or another? And that kind of a bubble. Are we in a social bubble? I, I think it's the latter. Oh, yeah. No, I, so that was much... your question. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. yeah. And I think that when 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 you said that... You said exactly the same thing. You mean you you it, you said um, you mean with Bitcoin like the price inflating? I said no. Uh, with us talking about it all the time, how come people don't know what the B stands for? And then I just explained to him what it, the interaction that I just had. And uh, since then, we we were just going back and forth on need to talk to more people uh, <laughs> <laughs> outside of our outside the our personal two-person circle um and then outside of the bitcoin enthusiasts and all of our crypto friends and maybe we need to start just just bursting our own bubble to see what people are up to yeah outside of what's happening in the cryptocurrency realm actually you know what i i know i said that but i take it back um (laughs) (laughs) we i'm just recounting so many instances where i'm talking to someone that either I haven't chatted with in a long time or I, I just see what people are posting on social media sites and I'm thinking, I just want to learn more about finance um, and I just want to learn more about the value of money and what's happening in this world. So I retract everything I said before the last two minutes. <laughs> I actually don't want our bubble to be popped. However, uh, I think that what we're doing with this podcast, and this is me thinking out loud, is including people in our bubble yeah we want our bubble to expand Mm -hmm. not for us to pop our own bubble and go and and explore some other thing maybe call that a community after the the there's more people in this bubble of ours bubble has some sort of negative connotation it does should it okay but yeah i like the word community because it kind of means the same thing maybe a bubble is like a a micro community of two in our sense (laughs) (laughs) and in our case uh but a community uh maybe when we 
like you know have a community of 10 20 100 yeah well our listeners are our community it's true we just don't know them all by name yet but yeah okay so let's talk a little bit more about why we think we're in a bubble Uh, i read a stat earlier today on twitter and it said that if you own one bitcoin then you are in the 0.2 percent of people who currently um have acquired bitcoin yes yeah, so co- can you correct me on that stat i actually that- don't know the stat oh, okay, cool. but like 0.2 percent um I don't, I don't i don't even know if that sounds correct or not but uh like we can use some some other data to uh to kind of back that up like for example there'll be no more than 21 pe- million people that ever have one bitcoin each and that that's a fact uh and that's kind of weird uh it's that that number is actually much lower i would imagine because uh yeah i was just gonna say can we start this over what do you mean i just feel like i got distracted with the ambulance and it felt like we were so off oh i don't think that we're off i mean we can start this over if you want but this like you said can we start this over well, now and i happen to love that this whole start of this podcast really? is awesome we can we can continue we can just uh gosh i cut this part out <laughs> um what were you what were you saying uh excuse us folks we had a siren a little bit ago and we're gonna jump back into things it was mildly distracting and uh, now we're gonna get back into uh talking about the 21 million people that there'll be never more than 21 million people that own one bitcoin <laughs> each uh i think the actual number is like if you divided the world population up into 21 million parts each person would have something like 0.27 bitcoin so if you have more than 0.027 bitcoin then then you are above the equality line as far as the fair or quote-unquote fair slash equal distribution of Bitcoin goes. That was great, Keegan. Sorry, I'm laughing because I love that this is a censorship-resistant podcast episode um, for all of those that just heard the little bubble that took place. <laughs> so, yeah, continuing, you, you spewed some numbers at our audience. I did, yeah. yeah. Do you want to help <laughs> break those numbers down by asking questions? No, I was laughing. I actually wasn't listening to the numbers. Um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> however, though, um, one Bitcoin, it's worth... Oh, yeah, we, we just had... We saw a little bit of a crash in the market today. We're yes, down by 10%. We went to an all-time high in Canadian dollar value. This is but true. But not in American value. Like that, that was really interesting because it says that the, uh, in the last three years, uh, you would think that if it reached an all time high in Canadian dollars, it would also reach an all time high in American because we see some sort of parity in our currencies, but, uh, it didn't. Uh, so the Canadian dollars weaker. Yeah. The other day I was reading a newsletter by this person that we both follow, actually Keegan, um, Anthony Pompliano and in his, one of his newsletters, he wrote about how the new chair, um, her name is not coming to me right now but she is in favor of inflation she was the chair for the fed or the sec oh gosh i'm gonna look this up um anyway the point is that anthony pompliano was making an argument for adoption into bitcoin because if she is pro-inflation and if she is pro um increasing the amount of money there is in circulation then when more people become aware of the situation they are going to face in the future, they are going to opt out of a system that they don't completely agree with, to opt into a system that has scarcity written 
in its blood. Yeah, yeah, that, that you put that really succinctly. I, I was asked a couple of questions about Bitcoin recently, and I'm gonna fill the time while you look up this person's <laughs> name. Uh, and some of the questions was like, what's what's the core purpose of Bitcoin, or what is its uh, core value offering? And it's like, oh, geez, there's a million ways to uh, <laughs> there's 21 million ways to approach that question. Uh, but I would I would say that like one of the most fundamental core value propositions of Bitcoin is its scarcity, is its 21 million. And this is definitely in light of what the the um, the world is doing with 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 money printing, and uh, I think we've covered this topic so many times in the last last little bit. Um, on the on the topic of bubbling and being in our own social bubble, uh, yeah, we're in like a bit of a cryptocurrency social bubble because not many people are necessarily all that interested in Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, but a lot of people are interested in stock and trading and finance and savings and all that good stuff. So I think the uh, like, what what our approach is to have those people start conceptualizing money uh, and including Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in that conceptualization. Uh, so they're not that far outside of the bubble that that we're creating necessarily. Yeah, talking of bubbles, I found the newsletter. It's titled Janet Yellen is about to create the ultimate Bitcoin tailwind. And going further into the talk of bubbles in in this particular newsletter, one of the points is, um, and this is, I'm reading Anthony Pompliano's newsletter. So Yellen has previously shown a bias to allow bubbles to continue much longer than her peers. One example is, in a 2005 speech in San Francisco, Yellen argued against deflating the housing bubble because arguments against trying to deflate a bubble outweighed those in favor of it and predicted that the housing bubble could be large enough to feel like a good-sized bump in the road, but the economy would likely be able to absorb the shock. Um, And just going further, it says that Janet Yellen is known to have an inflationary bias. So I just want to read the concluding a paragraph in this particular newsletter and it goes like this janet yellen will solidify the narrative that higher inflation is coming she will drive home the point that monetary stimulus bombs are always right around the corner this will be an even stronger tailwind for bitcoin in the coming 12 months with bitcoin poised to hit an all-time high in the coming days you can't help but smile so it's really interesting i think at this point we we actually need to define the other definition of a bubble. So the one bubble that we've already talked about pretty extensively is uh, our social bubble of like totally being immersed in the world of cryptocurrency and having like a one track mind about it. Uh, and and uh, the other kind of bubble is is a monetary bubble or a debt bubble or a housing bubble. And like, what does that mean for a market to be in a bubble? Uh, and in order to explain that, I'm going to go back like 250 years to the first bubble ever. <laughs> the tulip bubble. The tulip bubble. Uh, that's the first, as far as I know, I'm, I'm happy to um, go back and, and be wrong on this one if our viewers know of a bubble that occurred before this one. But the first bubble occurred in Amsterdam um, because Amsterdam is actually home to the world's first stock exchange ever. And the prices of tulips, of all things, tulips, uh, were, the flower. Yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> were the first thing to be bubbled. And it was 
actually really interesting when you look at it because uh, tulips are scarce in the sense that they only bloom in the spring and so people would buy the tulips ahead of time on a slip of paper and it was like a stock Kagan, that represented uh, that you owned these uh, these tulips yeah go ahead yeah sorry. no 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 it's all good um I, can you explain how it became to be known as the tulip bubble so i want you to start from the very start because uh, we're talking about the first bubble being the tulip bubble but it's important to know how the hype around buying tulips was instigated in the first place so start from the beginning of how this came to be yeah so uh the beginning well um i i actually like don't know really know where to start i think i started at the right place like okay. amsterdam's home to the the very first stock market and uh one of I don't know who it was in charge of, uh, like, what company was in charge of of making these slips that represented ownership in a particular tulip. But uh, you'd have a common tulip, and then you'd have a more, like, rare uh, variety of tulip. And so the rarer ones would obviously be worth more. But what ended up happening is people started trading these slips that represented ownership over a tulip in the future. Mm. Yeah, so they started trading them amongst one another, and uh, they started to rise in price. And once something starts to rise in price, you get, uh, I feel like this is an early version of FOMO, the fear <laughs> of missing out, right? And FOMO is very heavily tied to speculation and speculation on price. Uh, so these slips of paper, they represented a that you owned a tulip in the future. And they really didn't represent anything uh, now. They really, these slips of paper were not inherently valuable. And so people were free to speculate on the value of them. And uh, I think this is what causes most monetary bubbles is people thinking that the value of something is far beyond what it is actually worth. Do you recall exactly what the moment in history was that popped the tulip bubble? Uh, I don't. I actually, you know, I mean, perhaps you could look this up, but... Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't know exactly what caused the the bubble to pop. I think a large bag holder or a large um, a large owner of many tulip stocks was like, "Well, well, this is crazy. These these slips of paper that represent tulips in the future are, are absolutely not worth what the market says they're represents worth." Represents the value of tulips in the future. Yeah. So all all these people that were holding large amounts of these these uh, tulip stocks uh, would go to the market and sell them. And so that they were the ones that cashed out and the people that were holding that didn't get to the market, you know, that day, that week, that month, uh, they lost, in, in some cases, they lost their entire savings. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're looking it up. Why not, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Poke me when you've got something. I, I can talk about the housing bubble in 2008. The reason why that was a bubble is basically the same reason. People were speculating on the value of homes, and uh, and the value of homes went up farther than uh, than wages could support the mortgage. And this is coupled with the bad debt situation. So banks and uh, and credit agencies were giving out uh, cre credit agencies were rating the debt, uh, the the bonds, the uh, not the bonds. <laughs> Are you ready yet? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, Keegan. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, okay, cool. So I'm looking at an article on Investopedia, and we can link this in the show notes of this episode. The bubble bursts is the title of this paragraph, and it said that by the end of 1637, the bubble had burst. Buyers announced they could not pay the high price previously agreed upon for bulbs, and the market fell apart. While it was not a devastating occurrence for the nation's economy, it did undermine social expectations. The event destroyed relationships built on trust and people's willingness and ability to pay. 
Dutch Calvinists painted an exaggerated scene of economic ruin because they worried that the tulip-driven consumerism boom would lead to societal decay. They insisted that such great wealth was ungodly and the belief remains to this date. Or to this day. Yeah, it's Um, called tulip mania. Tulip mania. I actually saw um, what this was worth. Okay, so... A single bulb could be worth as much as 4,000 or even 5,500 florins. And what florins is, since the 1630s, florins were gold coins of uncertain weight and quantity. It is hard to make an accurate estimation of today's value in dollars. But McKay does give us some points of reference. Among other things, four tons of beer cost 32 florins. That's around 1,008 gallons of beer. Or 65 kegs of beer. A keg of Coors Light costs around $90. And so four tons of beer would be around 4850 And one florin would be 150 That means the best of tulips cost upwards of 700 Sorry, 750 Sorry, yeah. $750,000 in today's money. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> but with many bulbs trading in the 50000 to 150000 range. Wow. So yeah, by... Now, by 1636, the demand for the tulip trade was so large that regular marts for their sale were established on the stock exchange of Amsterdam in Rotterdam, uh, Harlem, and other towns. Amazing. <laughs> so basically, just because you had a tulip, you, you found yourself in riches. Oh, okay. Sorry. This is another... Um, sorry to interrupt you. No, I, I was just and... speaking. <laughs> This, this next sentence, I have to read it out. It's so interesting. So it was at that time that the professional traders, also known as stock jobbers, got in on the action and everybody appeared to be making money simply by possessing some of these rare bulbs. This narrative sounds slightly familiar to um, right? a little something something that we hold uh, and talk about always. Anyway, indeed, it seemed at the time that the price could only go up, that the passion for tulips would last forever. Wow, the passion for tulips, eh? Um, <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> this, oh my gosh. By the end of year 1637, prices began to fall and never looked back. Okay, so this is actually really cool oh, oh. for us to dispel and, and cover. Yeah, yes, go ahead. one last sentence. Sure. A large part of this rapid decline was driven by the fact that people had purchased bulbs on credit, hoping to repay their loans when they sold their bulbs for a profit. So the That's demand for, for tulips actually may have caused a sort of uh, of a credit crunch, right? A credit bubble. Yeah. So that that rings like two thousand eight rings, whereas the initial speculation of tulips kind of rings like the dot com bubble in two thousand or sorry in in uh, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, that's really cool. So in 1999, like doc, any, if you had a dot com company, if you had a website, like your your company would would go through the roof and its stock value simply because you had dot com. You were building a website and you had dot com in, in your company name. And the same thing happened in 2017. If you if you were building a cryptocurrency token or if you had the word blockchain in your company name, you, you know you got rich overnight, kind of thing. Uh, yeah. And those are like more so the speculation kind of bubbles. And I, I do want to cover like how Bitcoin differs. Sure. Yeah. Uh, someone asked me a question a couple of weeks ago and um, they talked about how 
speculating on the price of any asset in the cryptocurrency world so to keep things simple i'll just say bitcoin and they said that isn't the price of bitcoin simply speculation and something that i said to them was it's either speculation or belief and how does that differ from the price <laughs> of um our dollar right now so with that keegan you can continue with your example yeah, absolutely. So in each of these other bubbles that we talked about, the Tulip bubble, the dot-com bubble, and uh, the 2008 housing crisis, which was a bubble of sorts, um, we're all, like, in each of those situations, we're talking about stock. We're talking about uh, the shared ownership of, uh, of something, a company, of a Tulip, whatever, where Bitcoin is money itself. Uh, it's, it's not subject to that same kind of, uh, of well, I mean, people are able to speculate on Bitcoin and Bitcoin is free to, to do bubbles, like to go through various cycles of bubble. But one thing that's really important to understand is that uh, is that it is fundamentally a money and not a stock. And, and that's what sets it apart from from all of these other bubbles. Yeah, and even with respect to the kind of asset that it is, I mean, comparing it to the tulip bubbles, eventually what was being traded was the slips of paper that had the initial purchase price of um, the tulip or the purchase of the tulip from before. But the tulip itself is um, an item that has a lifespan. Tulips don't last forever and tulips cannot be, tulips uh, values cannot be um, preserved. But with respect to a digital asset, as long as we have the internet, the value of any digital asset can be preserved if certain measures are put into place. Well, well the certain measures are absolutely in place. Like Data doesn't degrade, uh, especially when the data is kept on hundreds of thousands of nodes all over the planet, which is nodes great. Nodes are computers. Nodes are computers, yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and so because that data doesn't degrade and it's very difficult to produce more more Bitcoin, not anyone can do it. You, you need a like a sophisticated computer setup, whereas I need to be a botanist to produce more, more tulips, right? If the value of tulips rises, then it's... Scarcity, though. I exactly, mean, scarcity. Even with tulips, let's say that there is a, a certain aspect of scarcity because let's say that they can only be grown in a certain region of the world. There still is only a, like a small time span within which they can be harvested and um, they're, they're tulips. Like, they have seeds. They can possibly be replicated um, at will if innovation allows for them to be replicated. But um, with respect to a digital asset that has, like I said before, its scarcity encoded in its blood, which is a code base in this case, you can't really do much to change it. It's well, kind of set anything. in stone. <laughs> well, yeah, it's set in stone, except it's set in code. Which is as good as stone <laughs> so, at this point. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> This is true. And the only way to destroy that is to destroy the stone, but the stone is decentralized, which means there is multiple replicas of this particular set in stone stone all over the world. <laughs> Wonderful. There we go. Yeah. Good analogy there. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, I'm thanking myself at this point, but this is funny. So we've talked about two kinds of bubbles. We talked about the bubble that Keegan, you and I think we're in, which is just talking and consuming this information all the time. That, that's certainly our experience on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Like when we go and talk to friends, I, I remember one friend says, oh, you, you really got a, a one-track mind on this whole thing, don't you? It's <laughs> like, yeah, listen, okay, I'm, I'm uh, pretty invested in this whole Bitcoin thing right now. I really am interested to see where this thing goes. So. We're focusing. We're focusing, that's right. <laughs> 
instead of diversifying. Yes. Um, and and with respect to um, bubbles, I like the thing that you said about bubbles have existed in any system. There's a cycle of bubbles and through the cycle of bubbles, uh, depending on the intrinsic value of the asset, the the price or the value perceived by the people holding the asset goes up. Yeah, I do want to say one last thing about Bitcoin being a bubble. I, I'm not necessarily cryptocurrencies in general. Uh, like I do think that all the other cryptocurrencies kind of follow Bitcoin in its rise. But one of the things that you can point to that says, okay, this this may be one reason why Bitcoin is not a bubble. We saw this massive monumental rise in 2017, but you saw just as much of a monumental rise in uh, 2011, 2012, when Bitcoin went from pennies on the dollar to $10 a piece. And then it dropped and then it went up to $100 and then it dropped and then $1,000 and it dropped and then $25,000 and then it dropped. And it's like, okay, well, is Bitcoin going through multiple bubbles uh, only to return to the place that it went before? Because that doesn't sound like a bubble. That sounds like a pattern. And so it's really useful to distinguish a bubble from, from a, a pattern. pattern. We don't see when, when we actually see a bubble, a real bubble, uh, you see a total... Um, like a reset, a complete reset of sorts in that market. And we saw that in the dot-com bubble, right? We saw these internet companies where 99% of them were wiped out, where the 1% and 2% of the companies, Google, Amazon, for example, they went on to create massively successful companies. And this, this is kind of that analogy, like Bitcoin is the company, not the company, but like the thing that is not the not bubbling. It, it is the infrastructure itself, right? It, it is analogous to being the internet because the internet's a massive success but 99% of the cryptocurrencies that have come out today are are failed or they don't exist anymore so the cryptocurrencies that people are coming up with that's those are like the dot com companies that crashed where bitcoin is like the infrastructure that is the internet that is going to permeate through into the future 99% I, I kind of came up with that number okay. on the spot, but yeah, no, like like literally 99, well, like if you've got more than 7,000 cryptocurrencies out there and basically all of them try to do something that Bitcoin is already successful mm -hmm. at. I no? disagree. I don't think cool. everyone is trying to do what Bitcoin is successful at unless you're talking Not about network effects. It depends on what aspect of, totally. of, uh, of Bitcoin you think they're trying to replicate. And if it's network effects or uh, mass adoption or um, usability then yes, maybe some of them, but yeah, not all. True, not all. Yeah. 99%, <laughs> that seems like a pretty high number, but I also don't know what um, the total percentage or the total population is. Well, it's really interesting. We can actually point to some of the, the cryptocurrencies that are still alive and well today from the early days, like that, that are built on similar infrastructure that Bitcoin is like Litecoin, for example. I think it is the second cryptocurrency ever invented. It was invented in 2010 or 2011. And it's still around. It's still a top 10 cryptocurrency, even though there are countless blockchains and networks and cryptocurrencies that quote unquote, do a better job at being a payment processor than Litecoin or Bitcoin. So like, why is it that these things are still around? Uh, and yeah, that's... I'll leave that question. I'm yeah, not entirely I, sure, actually. Yeah, yeah. I actually want to refine that question and ask our listeners and people watching on YouTube is, you've heard us talk and at this point, let's say you have your own skepticism, your opinions towards Bitcoin. So um, our question to you is, if you believe in Bitcoin, then why? 
And if you believe against Bitcoin, then why? We would love to hear our opinion and, and talk about it. Of course, um, maintaining your anonymity. But if, if you have something to say about what we've just talked about, even, even if you feel like you're also in your maybe single person bubble, um, or you can be in our bubble, multi person bubble. <laughs> yes, we can all be in the same, let's call it a circle. Okay. Yeah, that's, I think, better. Our social let, circle. Let's just take out the sphere from it and then make it a circle. And we can continue to talk and learn about cryptocurrencies and finance and general and the future of money. That'd be awesome. All right. Circle. Fantastic. So uh, a quick reminder again, we have prepared a case study on MicroStrategy, which is the company that bought $425 million dollars worth of Bitcoin, they essentially converted their cash reserves. And this is a billion dollar company. They converted their cash reserves into Bitcoin. And we prepared a case study for it. It is going to be released in the first week of December. So if you haven't already done so, go to our website and sign up for our email because that is how it will be distributed to people. Wicked. And then we should also tell our, our audience to please rate, like, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. It's massively beneficial for us. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but like Apple uh, like rates us higher. They bring us up higher depending on the amount of ratings and, uh, and comments or reviews that we have. And, and so y even though you're one person listening, it actually is a massive help. Uh, to us and uh, to everyone else that can benefit from cryptocurrency if you take the time five minutes whatever it might be to, uh, to give us a star rating five and, and how slow do you think people are <laughs> 30 seconds folks <laughs> take 30 seconds <laughs> what keegan said that we we would really appreciate if you did that um and with that thank you everyone for listening and stay tuned <laughs>